Hi everybody, it's me, Essence, and I'm back for another episode of Bible Study. I appreciate you tuning in. So if you haven't, we started um, in Genesis 2 where we were talking about Adam's creation. And um, then after that, we go into episode 2, chapter 2, and we talk about the fall of human, of mankind, and we're talking about Adam and Eve. And today we are talking about the story of Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel the brothers. Okay. So if you've never heard of or seen an episode of Bible study, what this is, is I'm spilling the tea on the word of God. So I've heard too many times that the Bible is boring, but it's definitely not boring. Like when you read it and when you really get into these stories of what went down back in the day, you're like, Ooh, that is juicy. And that is drama filled. And it is really interesting to know the people God uses, how he's there, regardless of them being crazy or scandalous or whatever it is that they do but it relates to our lives today like how we're so far from perfect and God still uses us he's still there for us he still forgives us and the list goes on so that's what we're getting into and that's what it's all about so if you haven't already I'm asking that you like share and subscribe also hit that notification bell so that when you when we come out with new episodes you'll be alerted okay so now that house, the house business is out of the way, I'm going to start with prayer and then we're going to get into this word. Now, remember, it's a Bible study. So we're going to read the Bible and then we're going to talk about the Bible and then um, feel free to leave a comment. No hateful things. If you do, I probably won't respond. I'll pray for you, though. All right. So let's get this um, started. So dear, most gracious and heavenly father, I pray that you have your way. Holy Spirit, move through this Bible study. Father God, I pray that you reveal things to us that we may not have seen before. And I pray that this is a platform where you are glorified in everything that is shared have your way father god use me to deliver whatever it is you've placed within me father god through study and as i'm talking about it and i pray that we're all blessed in jesus mighty name we pray amen okay cain and abel this is a drama filled story about these brothers adam and eve's first and second born um i believe it's the first and second there's no detail to say anything why um anything otherwise however Adam and Eve had plenty of children and it doesn't go into detail of these children. The ones that are named in Genesis four are Cain, Abel, and Seth. And then it talks about Cain's descendants. Um, however, in Genesis five, where it goes into the genealogy of Adam, it talks about how Adam and Eve had lots of sons and daughters, but it doesn't give specific numbers or time frames. So just know that they were populating the world. They're populating the earth as they were instructed by God to do, and they were being fruitful and multiplies. So sometimes people may um, say like, how did Cain have a wife? Like there's no mention just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean something hasn't occurred. So um, in Genesis five, like I said, when it talks about how they had many sons and daughters, we don't know the time frame of this and so because we don't know the time frame of this we can't assume that Cain's wife was some random that populated came up was created later it was probably either a sister or a relative okay now to get that out of the way let's start with Genesis 4 1 and 2 now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said I have acquired a man from the Lord then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And Cain brought, oh, and was a tiller of the ground. Okay, let's stop there real quick. So like I said, um, we don't know the time frame that all these other kids were born. 
However, we know that Adam did live 930 years, according to the Bible in verse five. I mean, in chapter five, it says that. And then they had their, um, they had Seth, one of their sons at when Adam was 130 years old. And how do I know that? Cause verse those three children were mentioned. They had many more children. So let's go on to verses three through five. And Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the firstborn of the flock. Wait, I'm sorry. And Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord and also brought an Abel. Oh my goodness. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very upset and it says he was very angry and his countenance fell. So Cain gave God a grain offering, which he was a farmer. So that made sense. And then Abel gave God the firstborn of his um, livestock and the fat and their fat. And so God respected Abel's offering, but he didn't really respect Cain's offering. And God's disappointment with Cain's offering had nothing to do with that. It was like grain or that it was from the ground. It was more so in the attitude in which he gave. Um, Abel's offering was more so like given with a heart of Lord, I trust you, Lord, you are in control of all things. So here's my best. And you take this because of how sovereign you are. So God's, like I said, God's disappointment didn't come from what he gave. It's the manner in which he gave. So it came down to quality and the heart behind the offering. Through research, I found in ancient Hebrew culture, offering the firstborn and the fat symbolized giving the best of the best, like the top quality, the most valuable and significant portion to God. It signified the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty and provision, recognizing that everything belonged to God and that the first and best should, best should be offered in worship. Through Abel's offering, he demonstrated his willingness to trust God enough to give God the choicest and most precious part of his possessions as an act of devotion and gratitude. So that wasn't seen with Cain's offering, right? And the thing is, God knows, God knows it all. God knows the way that we're giving. He knows what's in our heart. He knows deeper than what we believe that we're revealing to him. So God appreciated and respected Abel's offering. And because of um, the heart in which Cain gave, his offering was not respected by God. So Cain, so basically Cain was big mad, right? He, uh, scripture says he was angry and his continence fell. So he was all up in a, in his feelings. He had a bad mood. And this is not, this is because he didn't give with the right heart. So now he's mad because God didn't receive his whatever offering. Like his offering is just like, here, God, take this because, you know, I should offer something to you. But it wasn't like, Lord, you are the most high God, you know, giving with that heart of like true worship. He was just doing it kind of like going through the motions. Right. And so God was like, I don't respect that. And then Cain had the audacity to be mad about it. So verse six. So the Lord said to Cain. Why are you angry and why has your continence fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So that's verses six through seven. God noticed Cain's demeanor changed and that he had an attitude and already knew what was up. 
the same way he asked Adam in the garden where he was. So you remember back in the garden when um, Adam and Eve ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. And then they tried to hide and cover themselves up. And then God was walking through the garden was like, Adam, where are you? God already knew. So these questions he's asking, he knows the answer to. But it's more so like, hey, like what's going on? It's like those questions that make you think. Like maybe God really wanted him to answer, but it was more of a reflection kind of reflective kind of question. Like he knew where Cain's heart was and he knew that it wasn't right. And he probably it was like a foreshadowing because he knew what was about to go down. But um, God noticed Cain's demeanor and attitude and already knew what was up the same way he asked Adam. So the same way he asked Adam in the garden where he was. So but this was a teachable moment and a time of acknowledgement. God addresses Cain's attitude and reminds him he will be accepted if he does well. So be careful when you don't do what you should, because sin is awaiting an opportunity to get you caught up. But you should rule over it. So he's letting him know in advance. I feel like God does that to us, right? Like we'll do something or mess up or our spirit won't be right. Our attitude won't be right in something. The reason behind what we're doing may not be for the the glorification of God or for giving God all glory. And then um, so we'll do something. Then we'll be feeling some kind of way because it wasn't received how we wish it was as if we were pulling the wool over someone's eyes. And then God is just calling him out. And he's like, hey, hold up. Like if your heart is right or if you're doing what you're supposed to be, do it'll be accepted and approved. He was just letting him know, like, I know that this wasn't done in the manner of which, you know, you should have done it. But he's just like, correct him. He's like, hey, and then don't let your anger, don't make the, don't allow this to make you sin because maybe God knows everything. So he knew what was about to go down, but it's like, he was just like, hey, watch it, hold up, slow down, think about this. And I feel like we have those moments in our lives where we'll be doing something and we'll kind of fall off and God will be like, hey, slow down. What are you doing? Don't let this, don't let a make don't let a plus b equals c and we'll still do it anyway and then you know there's consequences so that seems like a foreshadowing god knew cain's anger jealousy would lead to sin and he should rule over it it's like a warning before doing something out of anger or contrary to what we know is right so let's go to verse 8 through 10 now cain talked with abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. He took his life. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So God asked Cain some questions that God already knew the answer to. He let Cain know. And then Cain went out there and ended his brother's life. Because he was being a hater. So Cain was mad that his brother did something with the right heart. That God was pleased with something that Abel did. And so he was jealous. He was envious. He was a hater. And he was like, well, I'm going to end you because of this. And he did. And then clearly he had to try to hide it. Hide it. And he lied to God. So instead of acknowledging and coming like, Lord, I was in my feelings. I was feeling some kind of way. And I did X, Y, and Z when he was asked. Instead, he wanted to turn around and be like, am I my brother's keeper? So clearly the answer is probably yes, you are your brother's keeper because you're not supposed to be in in his life. But anyways, so God said, God didn't even play that, right? So he asked the question here, Cain goes trying to defend himself. And then God's like, like this, everything is telling on you. The blood is crying out from the ground. Like, I know what you did. And God 
had to come on down with some punishment. But um, Cain was trying to deceive God. He tried to cover up his sin. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Which is super defensive. (laughs) If he couldn't hide his intentions of his heart, what made him think he could hide his actions outside of himself from God? So first of all, God knows, God knows our feelings. He knows if he knew that Cain gave his offering out of a, a, like un, I don't know what the word is I'm trying to say, but out of a place of not like God, you're sovereign, God, you're everything here, have my first, have my best. Like, here's my tithe of my, you know, here's my offering. If he's, if he already knows your intentions aren't good, he definitely knows what you actually did, what can be seen because nothing is invisible to God. Nothing is hidden from God. God knows all things, but here Cain goes thinking he knows best, I guess. So God was not having it. He dismissed Cain's answers because he already knew the truth and got into it. So verse 11 through 12 says, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you till the ground, remember he was a farmer. So when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. So yet again, God is handing out consequences. Cain was proclaimed cursed by God from the earth because of how he ended his brother's life. Then when he does what he knows to do his work, it won't yield its strength to him or it will not produce for him or Cain would face difficulties and hardships in farming efforts. So God also deemed Cain a fugitive and a vagabond, like um, a vagabond, like a wanderer, someone who doesn't have like a home and they're always moving around or like a homeless person who has no place to just stay, but they're constantly in movement, constantly moving on to the next, like a transient person. Um, So they're not stable and that he didn't put them to death. In that he told him, you're still going to live, but this is what your punishment is. You're going to, and he's, you're going to be like living. So basically you're living in fear. Like he's a fugitive. So what, um, he's saying to him is you're going to live with this. You're going to live that you did this to your brother and you're also going to live this way. So now you have this heaviness on you because of your, these are consequences. This is the discipline. This is the consequences because of what you did. And some of us are living with consequences for the things that we've done in life. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he's not still with you, but there's just like this remnant, this leftover something um, from that. So God still does have consequences for King. And um, down the line, one of um, King's, descendants even um ends up taking a man's life but um Cain was proclaimed cursed by God from the earth okay so he's um now considered a fugitive and a vagabond and so he does he doesn't have just like a place to stay and so um in verses 13 through 14 and Cain said to the Lord my punishment is greater than I can bear surely you have driven me out of this Um, out this day from the face of the ground I shall be hidden from your face I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on this earth and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me and the Lord said to him therefore whoever kills Cain vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold and the Lord set a mark on Cain lest anyone finding him should take his life so Cain was feeling like the punishment of his actions were too much. 
Well, he did take his brother's life though, but you know, now he's in the moment and he's like, Lord, this is just too much. This is too heavy. Not that he ended a life because that's like final, right? But he's like thinking of himself and he's like, this is really heavy, which is understandable because he has to deal with the consequences of what his actions were. He said that it was too much, especially because if anyone found him, they would, they would take his life. So all the punishment, um, so all this punishment and having to live in fear of having his own life taken. So then in verse 15, um, when Cain goes in, when God hears his, like, hears his complaint and says like, this is going to be too much. Then God covers him and he tells them like, if anyone takes your life, Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. So it'll be like so much worse than anything that they would do to you. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone find him, they should take his life. Now, in all that Cain did, God still gave him grace and still covered him. God knew Cain messed up and allowed him to still live. He also protected him. After that, Cain still had a life, a family, and a lineage. So even though Cain did something that was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. How could you do this to your brother or anyone really? But how could you do this? God is still like talking to him he's still covering him even though Cain has to leave from God's presence he's still covering him he's still making sure that he's safe he's still making sure that he's protected and covered God still has consequences for Cain down the line one of Cain's like I said descendants also ends somebody else's life and um that person down one of his descendants had even referenced like wow if he did this for Cain then clearly anyone who comes after me will like they'll get seven times 70 fold like they're gonna get it too um and that's in verse let's see 16 through 24 god talks about like the lineage of cain like so we know that he got married he still lived life after he made him he did that and that god still still covered him and still protected him and still gave him children and a family um, in verses 23 through 24, it says, then Lamech, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah. So he took two wives. Hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech for I have taken a life of a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. which I mean, I feel that's kind of like bold, right? To be saying Oh, well, he did it. Therefore, God's going to cover me. I mean, we should have that confidence, right? We should um, be like, but where's the repentance in it? Where's the Lord? I'm sorry for doing what I did. Don't just assume that things are going to work out a certain way for you because they worked out for someone else. God is able and capable of doing it. However, like where is the repentant heart? Where is the, you know, like the, the ask for, for the forgiveness, the let's be sorry or ashamed or sad that we've done something wrong instead of let's not be um, over confident in like oh well I'm covered you know like we are covered if we turn from our wicked ways and we repent and and give those things over to God but not just because we say like this is what it is so Lamech believed he would also be protected sin will definitely lead us astray and even though God can forgive and have grace and mercy consequences do still exist and so just because we've done something and we feel like, man, the consequences of this are hitting me hard. God can't possibly love me. God can't possibly be there for me. God is still available. You still have to give your stuff 
to him. Give the grime, give the mess, give the drama, give the things that we need forgiveness to give it to God and ask for that forgiveness. Say, Lord, cover me, help me, help me not to practice these things and help me to turn away from these things and live a life that's holy and acceptable unto you. And God can do it. So I don't want anybody to think that you're just too far gone. The stuff you've done is just too bad and God will never forgive you because we're not, I'll never say, I'll never say that's the case because God is a forgiving God. He is one who will welcome you with open arms. If you are repentant and you have a repentant heart, remember I said, repentance is to turn away from and, and then not do those things anymore. And so, um, you know, people make mistakes all the time. Nobody's perfect, but I don't want anyone to think that because of something that they've done, that you're too far off. And then because of that, you're putting a um, space between you and God. And then as time goes on, that space gets bigger, further and wider apart from you um, being forgiven because now you believe that you can't accept the forgiveness that comes with it. After all God did, Cain, after all Cain did, God still covered him and he still put consequences on any person who came after him. But remember when um, we mess up, don't try to hide it from God because instead we need to take it to God and ask for forgiveness and repent for whatever sins we have committed. God is all knowing. He already knows, but it's like where our heart is, what we're doing. It's when we try to lie to him and overlook our sins and act as if we've done nothing wrong and hide it or continue in sin and think we're too far gone or we're too smart and that God, there's no way he knows. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He knows what you're doing in secret. He knows what you're doing in light. He knows in darkness and light. He knows what's going down. So don't think that you are like pulling the wool over his eyes. Um, it's just like when we're trying to be better than like we're trying to outsmart him like what's the point just give it to him immediately and save yourself time and hardship that we don't probably have to go through but yeah there's consequences to things that we do however God is so loving God we give consequences to our children if you have children it's not like you just let them do whatever they want and they have no consequences the reason why we give consequences is because we love them and we want them to do better we don't want them to stay in that state of messing up or doing wrong we want them to turn it around and that's why it's important for us to know that just as we discipline our children, God has to discipline us. So when Jesus comes in the New Testament, which has happened, so um, like when it's now, it has already occurred. So when Jesus came, he became our sacrifice, our covering, our protection, as long as we call and make him our Lord and Savior. He, um, we have to accept that offering, which grants us God's grace, mercy, and eternal um, life. We are never too far gone because of because of Jesus, if we chose and if we choose and accept Jesus and turn away from sin, God will forgive us if we surrender to him. So in verses 25 through 26, um, I wanted to read that. This is just closing it out. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, who Cain took his life. So um, this doesn't mean they haven't had other children. However, it just shares about Seth being born for God for appointed another seed for me instead of Abel. It sounds like it. This is this is around the time that um, Adam's 130, whom Cain took his life and as for Seth to him. Also, a son was born and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord because of that statement. 
I looked up what Enosh meant, the name Enosh. And it means, or it's often associated with the idea of human beings being frail and mortal creatures, emphasizing our vulnerability and dependence on God. So that's a strong name um, to be named because it's like the state of being, the state of who we are, that we are frail and mortal creatures. And it emphasizes the vulnerability and dependence, our vulnerability and dependence on God. And I looked it up immediately after Seth had a son and named him Enosh. It says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. It just was so fitting because it's like a revelation of us being vulnerable and needing God. And that's what he named his son. And then after Seth named his son Enosh, then that's when men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know what started that. Maybe stuff started to really get grimy, more grimy than it had been now that, you know, sin had been entered the world. People were starting to end lives and stuff, but they're starting to call on the name of the Lord. So that's why I think there was some sort of revelation. Now, Genesis five goes into the details and genealogy of Adam and like um, it goes down the lifeline. It doesn't name all the kids, like I said, but um, I encourage you to read it. It talks about um, a lot of the people that we'll be reading about or um, talking about in our studies. But I mean, is that a boring story? Now, maybe the way that I presented it could have been a little bit. Mm. However, that's a juicy story and it's in the Bible. So don't think that this is a boring book. You just have to read it and you have to ask God to really give you revelation from what you're reading. This, this I'm pointing to my Bible. This is a tool that God has given us. It's a letter. It's a love letter. It's instructions that has been written by man, inspired by God so that we have instruction on how to live this life and do this thing. And so um, while we're here on earth, it gives us a roadmap. It tells us promises like this is something that we really need to invest our time. Spending time in the word helps us to get closer to God. It helps us to know what he says about us. It helps us to know what he tells us what we're entitled to through him because of who he is and because of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us. It, it lets us know the relationship we have with him. It's like our one way of us to communicate with him and him to communicate to us clearly. Because sometimes, you know, we say like, Lord, I don't hear you, Lord. I don't know what you're saying. Like, please, Lord. And then we question characteristics of Christ. We question who he is. But if we would read the word, we'll know who he is. We'll be familiar with things so that when things happen around us, we're like, wow, that's God. Or wow, I see what that is. So we really have to get into the word. And that's the point of Bible study is for us to sip our tea. And to talk about it, you know, sip a little bit of tea or coffee or water, whatever it is, and go ahead and talk about this word because there's some juicy stuff in here. But um, next episode, we're going to, we're going to, I'm not going to go into the genealogy of Adam. So that's why I said, I encourage you read that, but we're going to go over to Genesis six and we're going to talk about the wickedness and judgment of man. And we're going to touch on Noah and how things were going down before that ark was built. Okay. And how, um, We'll go into detail with that, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. It wasn't a long episode at all. It's just a little, this is what went down. This is some griminess that took place. God still had covering for him. And so don't ever think that you're too far off and that God can't still cover you in spite of things that you've done in your past. You know what? It's never too late to repent, to ask God to forgive you and turn away from the things that you've done or are currently doing. And if you need help with that, 
I'm always down to um, give you to pray for you. So if you want to send me um, a message and just ask for prayer, definitely do so. But God is always going to God is God is there with open arms. You know, he wants to forgive you, but he wants you to choose him, choose Christ. So I hope that this word was a blessing. I pray that you have a wonderful week and I want you to know that you're never too far gone. Give your concerns, your worries, your cares to God. Ask him to help you where you're at. If you are struggling with something, God can definitely help you with it. But all you have to do is surrender it to him. And how do we surrender it to him? We have to pray and say, Lord, I don't want this. It's too heavy. God, I'm sorry. Apologize. Give it to him. Say here, I need you to help me with this because I can't do it on my own or I want to give this up, but it's hard, Lord. So I need you to strengthen me because we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, but we have to give it to him. So you guys stay blessed. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I hope you are blessed. Hope you have a wonderful week. Like, ships, like, subscribe.